I have a voice that I need to work for and I need to represent in society, in my life. Don't be afraid to go after the opportunities you don't think you can get. You're listening to the Seton Hall Undergraduate Leaders Podcast, the only leadership podcast run by undergraduate students dedicated to helping undergraduate students lead in diverse fields. From people in diplomacy to entertainment, from CEOs to student leaders, we feature people from all walks of life. It's all part of the mission. Here at the Vecina Leadership Institute, we make leaders better. You're listening to the Seton Hall Undergraduate Leaders Podcast. My name is Kai DeJesus, and I'll be your host. Did you know that the podcast is run entirely by students? From sourcing the guests, to hosting the show, to even engineering the show and releasing it on your favorite podcatchers, students are behind every step of the journey. This episode focuses on Kayla Engel, who not only helps with the distribution of the show, but also does some interviews as well. However, she boasts some other accolades, such as being the secretary of Seton Hall's Model UN, being the vice president of event planning for the Women's Network, and being an article writer for the Diplomatic Envoy, among others. Your diplomacy, international relations, why do a podcast? Why get into the podcast initiative? I love to try new things different clubs, different engagements. I know the podcast is something that I never really saw myself doing before. Like, I'm like, oh, like, let me start a podcast. But coming to Seton Hall, it was really a goal of mine to start putting myself out there more. In high school, I transferred schools, grew up in Philly, and then New Jersey, uh, I moved here freshman year of high school. And I had a really hard time making friends and putting myself out there, just something I really struggled with. Coming to college, that is just something I really wanted to work on, and I wanted to get more different experiences out there. And I feel like the podcast was a great way to work on my public speaking skills, to connect with different people, and really push myself out of my comfort zone. Because I think we had a speaker come our freshman orientation weekend, which was kind of cringy, let's be honest. But one thing I really took away from that is that you're able to grow personally by getting yourself out of your comfort zone and making yourself uncomfortable is the only way to like be able to obtain growth and that kind of stuff. So that is just something that I did when trying to do the podcast. I feel like it's not conventional for a Diplo student to do a podcast, more like a com arts kind of thing. It's something I just kind of wanted to redefine and push myself to do. Out of curiosity, do you have any experience with podcasts? Do you listen to podcasts at all? Or did you do that before joining the initiative? I honestly don't really listen to podcasts. It was never really my thing. I always thought it was kind of interesting, like radio shows, almost around in the morning show, 102.1 and that kind of stuff. But I am definitely more of like a music based person. I do like the additional like true crime podcast when I'm studying or in the car, but it's not something I really listened to or was really proactive about. Until joining the Bucino podcast, now I am quite the podcast listener and just having that perspective on what goes on behind the scenes as well as what's being put in front of me as a listener, I think it's just really cool to check out. You mentioned Elvis Duran in The Morning Show. Do you have any inspirations when you just like go in, do an interview, or even formulate questions? Or is it just like your own style maybe formulated by the feedback you receive from the director? When formulating my questions, I try to be as not basic as possible. I feel like a lot of the time when I'm thinking of questions, I'm constantly like recycling the same questions. Like, what would you tell your past self? Like, what is this? What is that? And I really try to go into it by doing research on the individual themselves 
and trying to get something out of their life experience and how they are a leader in their own lives, either professionally or socially, and just really kind of like grasp that out because I feel like when it comes to a podcast, if you're having the same kind of structure throughout, not structure in a sense, but if you're having like the same questions being asked over and over again, you're missing that kind of diversity limit that I feel like makes viewers really engaged and want to listen to and have new perspective each week, which I think is something really great about the Seton Hall podcast as well because you're constantly getting different forms of leadership you're hearing from and learning about and it's not one conventional wall street standard you mentioned earlier about putting yourself out there which is great because i was looking at the other things that you do model un diplomatic envoy you're also doing blue crew the tour guide group at seton hall that's a lot of putting yourself out there do you ever get afraid of it Oh, 100%. Um, Half the time, actually not half the time, majority of the time, I'm really just faking it till I make it. But one thing I really try to do is that even if I'm nervous, even though if like you don't know if people are going to like you, you don't know if you should put yourself out there, like always taking that chance because the worst thing someone can tell you is no. You never know what's going to happen. And I think just taking those chances is something I'm really like glad that I did because at first I wasn't going to apply for Blue Crew. I was like, oh, I don't know. And then I was really broke and I was like, okay, I need a job. This seems really cool. And now I actually really enjoy it and giving tools and being able to connect with students. And then when it comes to Model UN, I had done debate a little bit in high school, but the Model UN was never really my thing. And then I actually went to the first meeting. I really liked it. I didn't do a conference till actually this past fall, just the way like COVID and my schoolwork and everything worked out. And then I actually obtained the position as secretary because we did elections and I randomly decided to put my name in. I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a chance. So we did it. We had to give a speech. And actually when I finished my speech, a good portion of the way through, the other person who was running for secretary, who was like a junior way more qualified than I was she was like you had such passion about your position that I'm dropping out of the election so then I won the position I'm not saying I'm like glad that happened but I'm glad I put myself out there in that context because going into it I didn't really know if I was going to get it I didn't really know what was going to happen I'm going to be honest I prepped my speech 15 minutes before (laughs) I had to give it because it was a crazy day that day but being able to put myself out there and it working out is just something that I'm really glad I did and I was able to make really good connections and really good opportunities in my position as secretary and by getting more invested in this club and I would just tell anyone like if you don't think you're gonna be picked apply anyway go for it anyway because that's something that I really struggle with is thinking that oh I'm never gonna get it like what I have to say doesn't matter what what's going on with me like it doesn't matter but it does matter and you are worthy of getting these positions even if you are a freshman who is highly unqualified you never know what's gonna happen so always take the chance there's this really interesting narrative that keeps on appearing where things aren't your thing until suddenly they are. And I'd like to know like how you figure that out, that this thing that you weren't really sure about, how do you know that it's for you? I guess the big thing is I am not really a quitter. I hang on with my bare hands trying to figure it out if I like it, trying to figure it out. So going into Seton Hall, like, you know, we have the involvement fair at the start of every semester. And for me, I'm the type of person that I sign up for literally anything because I am so gullible. You could literally talk me into anything. It's so bad. So I was like, okay, signing my name down. And I feel like that gave me a really good opportunity to try what my interests were and see what I like and what I don't like and try like the unconventional. Because I know for me, like I want to go to law school, I'm in the three plus three program. And the reason why I chose diplomacy over poli sci 
because I know for me, a lot of law school majors are poli-sci undergrads. And I know I wanted to not just stand out more, but I wanted a more unique experience. I want to do something different. And I take that approach to getting involved and finding different interests. I wanted to be involved in a variety of different things, whether it's Model UN, to the Women's Network, to writing for a newspaper, for doing a podcast, because I know for me, I'm so indecisive and I never really know what I like until I try it. And for me, just like seeing, oh, okay, maybe I like it. I'll go to a meeting. I'll check it out. And eventually I just get so invested. I just can't not do it anymore. So yeah, that's just something how I've been able to find a niche set of interests that I really enjoy and want to participate in. So basically, if you just join everything, you'll find something. Is that what it is? Yeah, exactly. If you join everything, you will find something you like and you'll be so stressed. You eventually have to drop a ton of things. So you'll find a couple of things that you really do enjoy. So you mentioned the Diplomatic Envoy, and I was curious to know about just like your preparation process for that versus the podcast, because I am not sure if it requires more, if it requires less, but walk me through how you prepare for both and some similarities and differences you've noticed. For the Envoy, you have to, I usually just sign up for a, I'm a general staff writer article. They do have some sources provided for you to pick a topic. I know right now I'm actually in the press of writing an article about a mosque explosion in Pakistan. And I would do like fine article research about the event itself, some prior history. And then I just spend a couple hours grinding out the article, which is kind of similar to the podcast where I do research on an individual. And I draft like a series of questions. I think the Envoy articles do take me a little bit longer than the podcast preparations, not going to lie. But also I was actually able to have the opportunity to write for the Envoy Summer Edition, which is when you pitch an idea to the editorial staff and then they reach back out to you. It's like a submitted application. They reach back out to you if they like like your idea and want you to pursue it. I know for me, they were like, love your idea. Can we keep talking about it? So I had to write a lengthier article than kind of like the short usual one we do for every month like it's kind of like a five to six hundred word article and then in the summer it was kind of a more multiple page multiple words length kind of thing and I talked about the immigration crisis and how U.S. intervention had interfered with immigration crisis today so I focused on the three main countries Nicaragua, Guatemala, and Venezuela and I went and looked into the past history of like the 50s and 60s and how the U.S. government had got involved in their foreign politics especially for Guatemala and we actually worked to overthrow their government over bananas and the banana trade, which is crazy. And then now we're faced with these large immigration crises of these people because we left in stable governments. Now they're coming to the U.S. and we have this huge crisis at the borders where there's uh, more people than there are resources available. And just kind of analyzing the path of what that happened and being able to have more artistic freedom in that topic. I'm thinking about all the different things that you do. We've mentioned Blue Crew, we've mentioned The Envoy, we've mentioned obviously the podcast. And these are all sort of presentations in a way and they all like differ because obviously the envoy you edit it afterwards and then it gets put out in the blue crew you just like blurt it out and then it's ephemeral no one's recording you but in the podcast you basically do it and then you hand it off to the editor and don't listen to it until it comes out on the air and i'd like to know if there's any interplay between the lessons that you've learned between all three of them you learn things in Blue Crew that apply to the podcast or vice versa or anywhere in between or maybe not even those three in the other other experiences you've had because it seems like you're getting a lot of experience at once. Yeah, no, 100%. I think there definitely is a ton of overlay between them and how they make me grow as a person and as a presenter and just as a club member as a whole. I know for Blue Crew, it's kind of just think on your feet. You know what to say, but also make your own thing. And I think that's kind of really similar to the podcast. Like I know kind of the direction I want to go in going into it, just like the same when I'm giving a tour. I know kind of the set schedule, how it's going to go. But actually giving in and actually meeting and interviewing a person, it's kind of just up to playing it out towards each person's specificities and all that kind of stuff. Like for a podcast, it go in a completely different direction than the original questions you prepped. 
And like for a tour, like I could have a tour group that's like really fun and engaging. I'm making jokes and I'm having like a great time. And I tell this, always tell this one story about how I accidentally chased down a public safety driver thinking they were my Taco Bell DoorDasher on the green freshman night, first weekend of freshman year, but which is so embarrassing. Or then we have the group that like just stands there and they're like, yeah, they just like stare at me intently. <laughs> and for them, I'm just like cracking less jokes. It's kind of like a different experience. I'll kind of like cut down what I'm saying just because I want to play to their interests and just their, their experience as a whole. And I think that can be crossed over to the podcast. And I know recently, like after you graduate, that's also helped me um, my position as VP of events planning for the Women's Network because there I have to make presentations. I have to coordinate events, resources, all kind of applications, agendas. And that's kind of translated into what we're doing with the podcast when it's like booking interviewers having club meetings doing all this kind of stuff I think there is correlation between every club I'm in because like as a whole they really help me become a better person they give me more experiences on how to be more prepared more resourceful and how to just keep on growing so we mentioned the podcast prep you do and the adaptation that you do for basically each guest obviously you read out the questions that you want to ask beforehand how many of those questions do you end up asking? And how many questions do you make up on the spot during the interview? Oh, okay. So I'd like to prep at least 10 to 11 questions. I usually only ask about five and then I get super invested in what they're saying. And I'm like, oh, tell me more, please. And I think it also does like depend on each person like specifically. Because I'll have someone who I really connect with, like what they're saying, what they're talking about, what job they have, and what position they hold. So I'll definitely be more like engaged in that. But if something I'm not as familiar with or I'm too familiar with, I will stick more to the list. But I also, I am a talker sometimes. So once you get me going, it's really hard to stop. So just being able to engage in the conversation with different people, I think is really important. And I think I definitely do not 100% always follow the question list. So what's been your favorite interview so far? Or what have been your favorite interviews, if you can't choose one? I really enjoyed my interview with Dean Halpin, actually, because she was the first interview I had as like kind of like a seasoned interviewer. And I feel like I was able to have enough of a personal connection where I could you know, fluently, like, carry a conversation and discuss it without being, like, me, like, prying for random details out of the strange person, which is really nice. And the interview I'd done prior to her, I literally, I thought I bombed it. I was stumbling. It was so bad. I remember I was, like, afterwards, I was, like, guys, I do okay. And you were, like, yeah, you were good. You're being too hard on yourself. And I think I definitely, like, that was, like, my low appointment interview-wise. And then Dean Halpin, I was really able to make that comeback as a whole. And then interviewing, like, just being present for interviews. The one we did with Edgar, who was doing work with immigrants and farming and all that kind of stuff. That's something I'm really passionate about as, like, a Diplo student. And that's just something I've been researching and being able to hear, like, his experiences and being able to be there for that interview, even though I wasn't conducting it myself, was a really awesome opportunity. For those of you listening at home, part of the process to work on the podcast is that you have to be part of Seton Hall's Basito Leadership Institute. And I'd love to know why you decided to get in it. Little fun fact about the Institute. So I was filling out the application and I just submitted my application for the honors program and I kept getting emails, but I was like, okay, like I'll check it out. And I was submitting it like a week before it was due. Maybe it was a couple of days. I forget. It's been a while. And I actually made a fake Etsy shop about selling t-shirts because I thought we needed to run a business to apply. And I didn't realize there were multiple boxes that you could <laughs> check off. So I have like random like t-shirt designs on my Google Docs that I was going to make t-shirts for. And then just like going through the entire application process it just seemed like something that I was really interested in and I really wanted to do the leadership institute after having my interview with it because I was talking to 
people who were already in the program and I really liked what they had to say about it and I asked them questions I was like why do you think this is worth it like what opportunities are you getting from it and they had nothing more than amazingly positive things to say like you can meet with a leadership coach you get to make a connection with your peers that you wouldn't like you still would in your classes but it's having that inner community within Seton Hall that really benefited them and really gave them amazing opportunities so that made me something just inspired me to really want to pursue the Leadership Institute especially now I think they sucked their claws in too deep (laughs) because I actually am an IDT leader for this spring semester's IDTs. So whether it's from working with the podcast or working with this IDT that you're working with this semester or just in the institute in general what lessons have you learned from the institute? I have a voice for a long time. Like I was always one of those people who like sat in the background. I was like, oh, like, I don't know. Like, I don't really have anything constructive to put. I'll have an idea of like, oh, someone else will say it. Someone else will do it. And it really taught me that I can do it. I can say it, that my opinion matters and that I really need to be vocal about being a leader and about like standing up for myself and what I want, like in life or out of the Institute, like in group projects, having an active voice and not just being like, go with the flow, like quiet in the background all the time, like really like being able to put in the work and appreciate what I'm doing. Because I know like growing up, like there's those people in class that like are always prepared, always have their hands raised, (laughs) always like know exactly what they're talking about. So professional. And that's something that I personally have always really admired. And after like I know our freshman IDTs, like I met with my mentor who was like giving us feedback at the end and she was like Kayla like you have amazing ideas you just need to find your voice and put yourself out there and that was something I really had just taken into account so now every time I walk into class even though half the time I really don't know what I'm talking about I try to sound as professional as I can I always raise my hand I sit in the front I take notes and I think that's just really important and to stop envying I was something else and start being the thing I think I was envying in a sense or wishing a standard I could be above standard I could hold myself to and it's really taught me that I set my own standards for myself and it's just up for me to take those opportunities in my hands. I know for me, because I am an IDT leader this spring, I originally wasn't going to pitch an idea and then Dean Halpin, she was reaching out. She said, hey, like again, like if anyone has an idea, like please send them through. And I really didn't think I was going to get picked. I thought it was just going to be a total like train wreck of a presentation. I woke up at 5 a.m. Starbucks that morning and I was like writing it out, finishing it up. And being able to pitch the idea and it gets selected just really taught me that I have a voice that I need to work for and I need to represent in society, in my life. Don't be afraid to go after the opportunities you don't think you can get. So finding your voice, it I think like once you've found it, you know what it means. But I think like there are some people that are like, oh, find your voice, what does that mean? So what does finding your voice mean to you? Finding your voice means... Being able to be confident in what you're doing every day and what you're putting out there. Like, I know for me, for so long, like, in high school and everything, like, I was afraid to, like, go to the cafeteria during lunch because it was so, like, chuggy, like, waiting in line. (laughs) But just owning your actions and being able to represent what you want and what you want to say and just act on it. Like, if if you have a point you want to make, say it. If you have a criticism you want to give, do it. The worst that's going to happen is, someone excuse it, that's the worst that could happen. And just knowing that your opinion matters, what you have to say matters, what you're doing matters. I feel like as college students, we're all, like, crazy stressed, no sleep, a lot of caffeine, (laughs) and we're like, does this even matter? Like, what am I even doing? And finding your voice is finding out that what you like matters, what you're doing matters. Don't be afraid to show that to the world and don't be afraid to show yourself to the world. So it seems to me it's not just about like putting yourself out there. It's about like owning what you do. Definitely. It's about owning who you are and not being afraid to be yourself, not being afraid to be unapologetically you. Because I know for me, that's something I really struggle with. 
who doesn't who a teenager what adult what college student doesn't struggle with who likes them who doesn't like them what they're doing but at the end of the day the only thing you can be is authentically you and just put your best self out there and as long as you're doing that and you're just being happy with what place you have in your own life and how you're interacting within factors in your life then that's your voice that's what you're doing and that's how you're able to really live life with the best foot forward it's not about like putting out the voice it's about knowing that you have it yeah it's about knowing that you have it and not being afraid to be you for so long anxiety is something that I really struggle with today as well as in high school like I would just sit in class and I would just not say anything and I would just be like reserved and I would not put myself out there in just talking to people into just connecting with certain things and even if it comes down to like shopping like I'd be like oh I don't know like I'm cool with anything I wouldn't I was afraid to just express my interests and what I actually liked and my own individuality and finding your voice is finding who you are in your own individual wants and needs like I would literally put together two types of cereal because I couldn't decide on one and it's just if you are a two kind of cereal person owning that or if it's like you don't really know what interests you have owning that and just owning who you are and portraying your voice to the world but more importantly yourself it's walking into a situation and knowing that you might not be prepared you might not know what's happening but that you're authentically you and that you have a voice that matters and deserves to be heard by the rest of the world. That's a really interesting layer. The the added layer that it's about owning who you are, even with all your flaws. Yeah, 100%. One thing I like to preach is that, well, preach in a sense, because I know for me, like, I have four younger siblings. I'm the oldest, and just I've always feel like I've had to hold myself to this certain standard of being perfect, of being best grades, the best sports, the best this, the best that. And then at a certain point, I was just like, I'm never going to be the best. No one is ever going to be the best at anything. Like, no one is perfect. No one is. And you just have to own that. You have to own that humans are flawed. Humans are not perfect. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to have to apologize for things. You're going to have to fill it up as you go um, and just that kind of stuff. And so you have to figure it out as you go and just own yourself. Caleb, thank you for joining me on this first interview series episode. And I want to know if there's one thing that you wish you told yourself before joining either the Institute or the initiative, what would it be? I would tell myself that you need to be your biggest supporter as well as your biggest critic. I know for myself and so many other people, like, you're constantly critiquing yourself and you're constantly critiquing like I'm not doing this enough I'm not doing that enough but you also need to be your biggest supporter you have to be the person in your corner telling you go after that job interview go after this position go after that and not be afraid to go after what you want don't be afraid to be yourself don't be afraid to make mistakes don't be afraid to live life more so and just have faith in yourself that is going to work out I know like for me like I'm constantly running ahead like running around like a chicken with my head chopped off all the time between clubs classes activities work and just trusting yourself to know that it's going to be okay as long as you have yourself in your corner and as long as you're putting your best foot forward in life just being you on behalf of everyone at the Vasita Leadership Institute, I'd like to thank the podcast team, 89.5 FM WSOU, for allowing us to use their facilities, and you for listening. Follow us online at www.shu.edu backslash leadership, on Instagram at Vasita Leaders, and on Twitter at SHU Leadership. At Seton Hall, we make leaders better.